this was kind of the future of um, of of private practice healthcare to have people doing a lot of the administrative work remotely. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you have not checked out the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare, what are you waiting for? The book is uh, now available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, wherever you buy books online these days. It's available in Kindle and print. And the goal is to hopefully get a audio version and uh, audible or audio version out. Uh, given just the timeline and what I've got with clients and work and stuff, it'll probably end up being January. But my personal goal is to try to get it, try to get it done before the holidays. We'll see what happens though. Alrighty, <clears throat> this week we are diving back into the world of business, but it's where business and technology meet for improved efficiency and sometimes even streamlined care. So. You have probably heard or even used maybe even virtual assistants and the like at various businesses. I know I, you know, we run basically all of the consulting work that I do here at RehabU is basically managed between myself and then uh, a virtual assistant that does all the coordinating in the background, the schedules. If you've been on the podcast or been scheduled for an interview, you've you've had interaction there. And it's great for just efficiently doing the work that we need to do on you know on a remote basis there's no reason to have office or to eat up office space with some of the stuff it's all it's all knowledge work and it's all communication which can be done from anywhere and some people in healthcare specifically private practice healthcare and the like really have not jumped on board with this remote work or virtual assistant work because they don't, one, they might not see the value of it, or two, it just seems like too much of a headache. You know, big hospital systems, that's what they're doing, right? You have call centers that manage uh, cancellations and rescheduling and appointment reminders and billing and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes those those offices are located in the hospital system. Sometimes they're offshore, right? Well, for a long time, it's been maybe cost prohibitive to tap into that as a, a US-based private, especially private therapy practice, something like that until recently. So Dr. Kupferman, who is my guest this week, runs Medva or MedVA, and they do virtual medical assistance or medical virtual assistance for private practices across the country. And they have their folks based out of the Philippines. Now, one thing about Medva, which I like, and we talk about it on the show, is that oftentimes like with call centers and with outsource or offshored, any kind of work like that and customer facing work, it ends up detracting from the overall customer experience, right? Because this person calls in and it's a call center and they're getting you know, somebody with call one and they might get somebody else when they call in the second or third time. 
So there's no consistency and it lacks a lot of that personal interaction. So the way Medva gets around this is that they don't do a call center. They don't do like a pool of VAs that you know are serving 15 different doctors or practices or therapy practices at one time. They get one dedicated virtual assistant that gets assigned to your practice. And that way, if you're doing it right and you're training and onboarding correctly, this virtual assistant essentially becomes just a remote member of the team. They know the patients, they know your team members, they know your processes and your workflows. They hopefully will eventually know the patient's names and, and all of that kind of stuff. So that when they're doing work for you, it's not so much that you're outsourcing this into a call center or to a group that's going to make it a very impersonal experience, but you're you're just taking a, a, a member of your team and you're moving them remotely. I kind of like the idea of this <clears throat> in two for two reasons. One, because there are some things that just don't need to be done in the office and can can be done whenever, right? Benefits verification and eligibility uh, verification doesn't need to happen in the office. It can happen remotely. And we live in the world of technology and remote work. And if it can be done in a way that reduces costs and doesn't affect value or experience or quality or experience, like what's what's to stop us from doing it? And then the second piece is we live again in a world where healthcare is getting the crunch from payers, from regulators, from even patients and consumers because of the rising cost. And there's really a couple ways you can get around this, right? You can, uh, we, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, like you can go and lobby Congress or try to lobby the insurance companies and try to get a few more dollars on each visit or, or however it works, however you want to do it. But it's really just diminishing returns. You're, you're fighting for scraps. And the reality is we can innovate our way out of this. And one of the ways we can innovate out our way out of this is to radically decrease the cost of care and or the cost of delivering that care. And sometimes that might mean outsourcing expensive work that can be done remotely and from anywhere to another region or another part of the world where it can still be done effectively and efficiently, but and at a much reduced rate. So, um, you know, this, this might not be for everybody. I think it's just an interesting topic and discussion to have. And like Dr. Kupferman shares, you know, he saw it for his dental practice as this being kind of the future of healthcare to have remote work doing a lot of the administrative work that doesn't necessarily need to be done in the office and that can be done for much cheaper elsewhere. So, Hopefully this, if nothing else, this conversation gives you a little something to think about or an idea to, to take home to your practice. So without further ado, here's Dr. Kupferman for Medva talking about virtual medical assistance to streamline care. Well, hey, Dr. Kupferman, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm excited about talking about scaling a medical practice using virtual assistance and all the kind of the ins and outs of that space. But before we do that... Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your professional background, and then kind of what got you into doing what you're doing now? Sure. So uh, I'm an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Uh, I um, I went to dental school and then uh, medical school, uh, did uh, residency, internship residency, and then first uh, job was working for a large healthcare system. And uh, I opened up a private practice um, of uh, oral and maxillofacial surgery um, in 2009. 
And uh, we currently have six surgeons there. And over time, I um, have pretty much managed, um, you know, the practice uh, almost exclusively throughout the entire time. And there was just a point in time several years ago where I was reading up on um, virtual assistants uh, and um, uh, started to realize that the uh, the biggest burden for me was not necessarily being a doctor, but it was really managing people uh, in the practice uh, and trying to keep it as efficient uh, and uh, as uh, high quality as possible. And um, I realized that, um, you know, I needed more people and uh, didn't have the real estate for them and didn't have the patience to have them really in the office all the time. And um, this is all, of course, pre-pandemic and just realized that um, this was kind of the future of, um, of, of private practice healthcare to have people doing a lot of the administrative work remotely. Um, and the, the Philippines being a country that uh, has um, a, uh, a real strong healthcare background, it, it was really the, um, the most obvious uh, way to go. Awesome. So um, now that takes us into what you're doing now, which is MedVA, which is medical virtual assistance. And then how how do y'all work and, and what do y'all do? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory in the name, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty self-explanatory in the name, which is why we chose the name, of course. Um, uh, so, you know, the um, there's so many things that we can kind of unpack here, but, um, you know, uh, you know, MedVA or MedVA, uh, which we, we like to, to call it, um, is a, a company that provides um, virtual staffing uh, for uh, healthcare institutions, healthcare practices, private practices. And um, they can serve a multitude of, of, uh, of tasks uh, and jobs uh, within practices and within um, healthcare institutions. And um, the main thing or the main difference um, that we provide is that they're your employees. They're working for you on a day-to-day basis. They come when you want, they start when you want them to start. Um, They're on when you want them on, they're off when you want them off. Um, They're working specifically for you. It's not a, a center, a call center or an institution that they're, you know, maybe taking a call for one doctor one minute and then five minutes later, it's another you know, uh, um, doctor's office, uh, like many of the older sort of, um, on call systems work these people working specifically for you. So you choose them and they work for you. They're just not in your office. They're working remotely. Everybody understands what remote work is now. So yeah. it's, you know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. So uh, that is one of the, one of the big differentiators there, right? Like, I, I don't know how many people have gotten involved in some kind of like get a virtual assistant, whatever. And it's, it might not even be the same person, right? That they're getting that that is handling like three or four different clients at a given time. So, what is the process then that you use to to kind of source these these uh, virtual assistants? And then, I guess, is there some kind of training that they undergo, or is that all kind of since they work for the practice? Are they in? Is the practice un, under the responsibility of training these people and getting them up to speed and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, so, you know, our, our company is sort of um, divided into a sort of recruiting, recruiting and training and retaining um, arm. And then there's a, 
there's a customer service arm, which essentially is um, putting the uh, doctors and healthcare institutions in touch with the virtual assistants that we've trained, recruited, vetted. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the two main arms. Uh, and, um, and so we, we, we spend a lot of time looking for very talented um, healthcare um, trained professionals, mostly in the Philippines, although we have several in uh, South and Central America because um, a lot of our clients want Spanish speaking um, virtual assistants. So, um, so we, we recruit them, we train them. A lot of them have already, are already nurses or therapists or, um, some doctors. Um, and, uh, they're already, you know, they already know the medical profession. Uh, and so, um, we train them on things that are maybe more American healthcare. Um, and then we have some specific who are trained, specifics who are trained in say dentistry and, and other sort of, um, uh, healthcare fields. Uh, and then, you know, we make them available to, um, prospective client doctors, client healthcare institutions, uh, and they have the opportunity to interview them and then hire them. Um, and, and the speed by which that happens, um, is, uh, uh, is incredible, uh, and incredibly more efficient, uh, compared to, um, what we're dealing with here in the U S from the great resignation. Um, and sort of handouts and things that are keeping people out of um, working in medical offices. So, um, so that's sort of how, how it works. And, you know, you, you as a client would, or as a client doctor would still have to train them on the specifics of yeah. your practice. You know, how do you pronounce Kupferman? Is it Kupferman? Is it Kupferman? You know, um, you know, what do you do on a daily basis in your office? You know, all the things that you would have to train anybody who's coming into your office to do, but they already know medicine. They already know dentistry. If it's, if it's somebody who's going to work in a dental office, they already know billing collections. They already know, um, what an EOB is, you know, they all, they already know all those sorts of things. It's just, they need to know the institutional memory of your individual practice. Yeah. So you're, you're cutting back on some of that training time of getting somebody in that's, you know, maybe new to the field or, or something like that. They've already got like a baseline level of training. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, gosh, for so many years, the healthcare uh, practices in the United States were managed by, you know, high school trained, uh, very uh, smart, intelligent people who who ran doctors' offices um, for for so many years, and um, and that that group of people has sort of disappeared in many ways. Right, we, we, it's very hard to find that kind of person who's willing to just sort of finish high school and say, "I'm going to work in Doctor Johnson's office," and um, that's going to be my career you know, for the most part, they're finding opportunities online. They're finding work with um, other, you know, say maybe higher paying non-healthcare, um, uh, maybe tech industries. Uh, and so it's become incredibly difficult for the average doctor to find those three, four, five people who have run our healthcare system in yeah. the private sector for decades. And, um, and so, um, you're, you're still for the most part going to need somebody sitting up front, but all the other work that needs to be done, uh, virtually can be done virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially like you said, the 
verifying benefits, EOBs, all that kind of stuff, which, which kind of leads into the next question. So obviously you need somebody in the clinic for, you know, answering the phones, greeting people when they walk in, what are the, the big, I guess, big ticket item tasks that, that a, a healthcare virtual assistant would do for, for a practice? Yeah. So, you know, the easiest way to get started with a virtual assistant is um, benefits verification. Uh, that, uh, that essentially um, had been the task of one of the people I described earlier, and they would be calling another, you know, person working for, you know, some insurance company or some benefits provider, you know, in the Midwest of the United States or, or, or somewhere else. And, uh, and, um, and that call, you know, was pretty quick, you know, you picked up the phone, you called and somebody answered today, most of those sort of institutions are staffed virtually as well. Yeah. Uh, and so they're either in the Philippines or South America. And, um, and so it really is impossible to keep up with those economics. If you're paying somebody in your office to do that, then you're, you know, you're not going to be able to keep up with the uh, cut cost cutting that the insurance companies are, are doing or any payers are doing. So that's certainly the easiest way because they're extremely, it's extremely time sent, uh, intensive. Um, you're, you're really just getting information. Um, a lot of times that information is technically available in some sort of portal, but a lot of it is not accurate as you may yeah. know. Um, and so it does require person-to-person um, -person communication with sort of certifications and, and identification numbers that are going to um, be used when you're adjudicating a claim two months down the line. And so that has to be properly documented and, and a simple portal isn't really going to do, um, as everybody really knows who's ever tried to adjudicate a claim in the, you know, sometime down the line. So um, so that, that's really the best way to get started with a virtual assistant. Um, you know, for $10 an hour, you can have somebody who's doing that full 40 hours a week. Um, and any reasonable size practice is going to need somebody to, to do that on a day-to-day -day basis, every hour, every minute. Um, so, um, it's, it's really easy to do, um, uh, in certainly the easiest way to get in involved in using a virtual assistant. And then it just goes from there, you know, then you start, you know, getting somebody to do billing and collections and uh, phone calls and follow-ups and um, reviewing EOBs and, and, and all that, you know, you, you know, you just, just follow your revenue cycle uh, entirely. You can just add a virtual assistant at every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so you mentioned something uh, during the benefits part, which we're going to circle back to here. So obviously these people are getting um, account numbers, social security numbers, uh, I would assume, or you know, policy IDs, all of that kind of stuff. What kind of security risks would be involved in having a, a virtual assistant do the, that task? Or are there ways that it's already kind of mitigated with encrypted communications and, and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah. Um, look, you know, there's risk with any, uh, any employee, um, you, uh, you know, as a business owner, um, have those sort of, um, risks and liabilities and, uh, they are generally mitigated by insurance policies and, uh, good training and trust communication, et cetera. 
Um, in the U.S., we have laws, um, you know, yeah. for that as well. Um, they're not nearly as strict as the laws, uh, or at least the punishments are not nearly as strict as they are in the Philippines. So if you have a sort of HIPAA violations or, um, you know, credit card fraud or, or whatnot in the U.S., uh, oftentimes it's, you know, either a fine. And if you can't afford it, then sort of off the hook in the Philippines, uh, you'll be doing a lot of jail time if, if you're if you're lucky. Um, if you're not, there's there's uh, much um, more strict uh, punishments. So, um, so the you know in the Philippines they have uh, a very very strict policies um, because they they live this is their industry they live and die by 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 this um, as a country and if they um, if they uh, lose the reputation of uh, of of having uh, good security honesty then this industry will fall apart and it makes up for a tremendous part of their um, uh, GDP. So they're not messing around, nor are the authorities going to mess around with somebody who is messing around. Yeah. So, um, so now on, on top of that, of course, you know, we train and vet uh, and um, certify every virtual assistant um, with both HIPAA and other sort of security policies. Um, but you know, anything can happen at any time. Um, we've, um, you know, we've, we've seen, um, among the, you know, countless hours that our, um, virtual assistants have put in, uh, incredibly tight security. Uh, and so, um, we have additional policies that we can offer to, um, clients, uh, who are, are really concerned and, and want to, you know, um, mitigate some of that risk all, all the all those risks so you know and and, and and that's how it is um you know every every personality is different right every single you know there there are going to be people in this country that are uh doctors that are going to say i will never use a virtual assistant because they just don't feel comfortable not you know not, not having being able to see them <laughs> yeah not being able to look over their shoulder um, until they you know until they you know don't practice anymore um and there are people who are going to you know, it's the same with, you know, with uh, uh, malpractice liability, right? I mean, there are doctors who practice in certain ways and there are others that practice in other ways because they're just so scared about a malpractice, uh, you know, uh, lawsuit. But, um, you know, the numbers, you know, don't don't necessarily support that. So, um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's some risk for everything, but, you know, you have to, um, uh, you know, you have to get, uh, comfortable with, uh, you know, with the idea because it's the future. Everybody's doing yeah. it. And, uh, and all of our, you know, vendors are, are, are doing the same. Every single insurance company is using uh, an outsourcing of some sort. So we're just going to have to do it to keep up. Yeah. Well then tell me, talk to me a little bit about, maybe you can even use your own practice as an example about how, how one would scale a medical practice or a dental practice or something like that using you know, the power of technology and virtual assistance and all of that. What could that look like? Yeah. So, um, you know, th this is the, um, this is really the key because you really do need to, um, you know, to think out of the box in order to do this because it's, there's no training for this. Nobody's ever, uh, no one learned this in medical school, dental school, physical therapy school, chiropractic school. You, you don't learn any of this. So, you have to sort of be somewhat forward thinking, but to me, the real trick is to, to start with one person. And what's great about virtual, uh, employees versus, um, 
call onshore or in office employees is that they're so much, they're, they're so tech savvy. So if you sort of spend an hour or two hours with your first virtual assistant, giving them the institutional memory and you record that zoom session, it'll be available for every single one thereafter. And if you use that and leverage that, that, that simple technological power, the scaling becomes so easy. So every time you teach your, you know, virtual assistant something, they will, they'll record it, they'll save it, they'll archive it, and they'll have it forever so that the next person can spend their first two or three or four days learning that and so forth and so on. And you can do that. And every time you have a new task, that task gets, you know, recorded. Um, and then that translates to, um, you know, the next virtual assistant, uh, and so forth. And so for me, I did that with my first virtual assistant. For some reason, I had that foresight to, to tell that, you know, my first virtual assistant, Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's keep this like recorded. Like, I'm going to tell you how I built this practice, where it started, who it came from, who came from here and the next, the next and so forth and so on. And you get that institutional memory and, you know, recorded to the point where it can be used, um, for your ability, for your scale. Um, and so, um, we would purchase, um, courses, uh, in the beginning, you know, oral surgery specific courses and record them. And then, um, and, uh, and then pass that on. And then this way, then, you know, when, when, just like any new employee, when you're a private practice doctor, you don't have time to train your employees. There's just absolutely no, nobody does that. It's just not possible. So, um, so here, you know, after a few months, you're going to have a week's worth of recorded information on what this person needs to know about how this practice works and what the tasks that are being done in the practice. And so your first week, that first virtual assistant is going to be watching, you know, 10, 12, you know, 20 hours worth of recorded zoom sessions. Um, and, and, and that's really how you, you can do it when you, when you have people in the office, that stuff's never recorded. You just sit there and tell one person and then they are supposed to play telephone and pass it on to the next person. So, um, so to me, that's the way to scale is to use technology to scale. Um, and we all have that technology. They don't even have to buy it. Right. It's all free for the most part, you know, and we're all, we all, we all have, you know, 20 terabytes of data from Google or Amazon or whoever you're using. To, to store all this information. So, so that's really the best way to, to scale. And then you start, you know, depending upon the size of your practice, you start thinking of all these things that are being done transcription. You know, we talked already about billing and revenue cycle and benefits verification transcription, you know, review of records, um, you know, putting together some, you know, reports, uh, documentation, scribing, you know, all of that, all of that can be done virtually. Um, and then for bigger operations, bookkeeping and record keeping and, uh, you know, um, bill paying and accounting uh, and marketing. These are all things that don't require somebody to, um, to be sitting in your office. And these are things that every single office does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess one of, one of the, other questions I would have too, like the show obviously is about better outcomes or improving healthcare for everybody, for the, not only the business owners, the practice owners and the clinicians, but also 
the patients or the clients that are coming into these into these organizations. So how can or can a virtual assistant improve the patient care experience at a given clinic? Like, is it just an efficiency play? Like they get their information more efficiently or are there, are there other benefits to, to using virtual staff that can improve patient engagement experience, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it depends on what your outcome, you know, what outcome measures really you're looking for in, in, in a practice. Um, uh, you know, I would say that um, the medical education in, in our country does a very good job at, at teaching you to be a great doctor. Um, and, and so, but I think the hardest part is um, in, in the private, in private practice um, which is why private practice is probably dwindling in many ways is because it's really hard to manage a practice. Yeah. And I think the biggest factor is time uh, and manpower. Um, and I think if you asked any doctor, um, you know, what, what the biggest commodity is, it's, it's their time, you know, and we, as doctors, we can't afford based on our reimbursement to hire enough people to do all the work that's needed. And I think, I think sort of by definition, that's why virtual assisting is so imperative for doctors to take on. Because if you're, if your biggest commodity is time and you can't afford to hire more and more people, and that's becoming even harder to do, obviously, um, then, then you need to find a way to mitigate that. And, and, and virtual assistants are the way to mitigate that. There's, there's really, um, the, the $10 an hour person or $15 an hour person to work in your office is gone. Yeah, you know, it's 25, 30, um, you know, I, I think when I first started dental assistants, uh, you know, and this is, let's say 13 years ago, a dental assistant or an MA was making $13 an hour, 10 to 13. Yeah. I don't think you can find somebody for under 30 now who has some experience, I, you know? Yeah. Well, part of that is because they keep going to school and getting more and more <laughs> higher level certifications and training, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, even those that don't, they can't live on those kind of salaries yeah, anymore, you know, <laughs> and, you know, with, uh, you know, I just got a bill from my pool man, um, you know, not a bill, a letter just saying like, we can't, we can't pay for the gas anymore to come at, at the rate that we, we had a few, you know, a few, a few years ago or a few months ago. And so they, they just sound like, Hey, this is the new fee. And it went up, I don't know, 30%, 20%. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the reality. I think every single item is going to go up 20%. And, and, and payroll is the biggest expense in, in a doctor's office. There's no doubt about that. So that's going up 20%. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. um, and, and that would be a good day if it's going up 20%, you know, or a good year. So um, I, I just don't see, I mean, you know, I think it's more efficient, you know, answering your question. I think it, it's, it's extremely more efficient. There's less clutter. There's less paper. There's less people around. Um, um, and I think the outcomes um, are, are fantastic. Um, uh, there's, um, uh, there's good data for this as well. Um, and um, I think it's just a necessity, um, you know, for the outcomes to actually you know, occur, it's a necessity. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting near the bottom of the hour here. So I always end the show with, with this question. So if there's, if there's one or two main takeaways you would want a listener to walk away with from the episode about virtual assistants and how they can help a practice, what would they be? 
Well, I, I mean, I think uh, the main takeaway would be if you are not using any virtual assistants right now, I think you need to take a look at that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, if you're running a private practice um, and you're not using uh, some virtual healthcare assistant, um, I think it's something that you, you just need to, to take a look at. You got to take a real good deep dive and, and look into that. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Kupferman, where can people find out more about you? about Medva, about all of, all of the places where people can find you. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, our, uh, our website is www.medva.com and uh, you can find out any, anything there. And um, if you want to find out more about me, you can Google me and you'll find my, uh, my practice in, uh, in Century City. Um, uh, but that's, uh, you know, just a regular oral surgery practice. <laughs> Um, you know, if you want, if you want to know about Medva, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. Just go online. We've got plenty of videos and, you know, doctor testimonials about how, you know, effective and efficient and, 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 and the outcomes that they've, uh, that they've seen from using uh, virtual assistants. Awesome. Cool deal. Well, Dr. Kupferman, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Rafi. It was great meeting you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Kupferman about uh, medical or virtual medical assistance and how we can use them, especially in private practice, to streamline care and decrease the cost of delivering service. So um, again, I just think it's such an interesting area to explore because for a long time, unless, and, and this is one of the reasons why I'm still super optimistic about the world. You know, you hear a lot of times from especially in the in the therapy world where I'm I spend a lot of my time because I'm an occupational therapist I own uh, an OT and PT clinic I work with a lot of PT practice owners there's just a lot of negativity out there in the world <laughs> at large about you know it might be what the economy is doing or the payers are putting the crunch on us whatever it tends to be and there's just this kind of this negativity or pessimism is probably the word I'm looking for. Pessimism about the future and what it might hold for our profession and, and all of that. Things like this kind of validate, at least to me, they validate that this is one of the best times in the history of the world to be alive um, and to be in business and to be in a position to deliver care, to run a practice or to to make your calling your enterprise, to quote Blair Enns from Win Without Pitching, because technology has really removed the geographic barriers to doing work in other parts of the world because of technology and, and the ability to re do remote work, it really gives us access, us here particularly in the United States, us access to an entire workforce of people who are willing to work who are going to do very good work at a, at a reduced cost. And it is not to say that we're taking advantage of these people because, again, we're paying them and they are being paid more here and especially because of the exchange rate. I was on the phone with one of the full disclosure. I'm, we're, we're moving forward with using uh, Medva at our practice proactive. So I was talking with the, their client relationship manager. And I said, man, what, what's the turnover? Because it seems like you're going to be having a lot of turnover with a, with a job like this. And she said, well, actually, because of the, the exchange rate between the dollar uh, in the U.S. and the Philippines, 
that they're actually getting paid significantly more than they could go out and make in their own country, in their own time zone even. So it, the, the retention rate is very high. And all that is to really say is that it is a win-win for both the practice and even the local economy of the people who are doing the work, right? Because they're, they now have more money in their pocket than they would otherwise have, which can feed the economy. But then also the practice owner here is getting the benefit of high quality work at a fraction of what they could pay or would would be paying for that work to be done here in the states or in-house even i mean you consider doing something like your an office space a computer all of that kind of stuff the equipment the overhead expense that goes away with remote work which is why many people have moved to remote work i was talking to a a friend of mine who owns a marketing firm and he's like oh yeah we we go to the office every now and then but ever since covid happened you know we have the office there in case we want to meet clients or in case we need a space to do some production. Otherwise, everybody's remote now. Um, and the reason they do that is because it costs less money and it's, sometimes it's more efficient. <laughs> so the idea of being able to take those principles of kind of reduced costs, increased efficiency, improving the streamlined uh, process of care and applying them to a smaller private practice, which you know, 10 years ago, that one would have been unheard of, and two, it probably would have been very cost prohibitive if you had done it. Um, now it's something that we can do and we can all tap into. So not saying that everybody should go out and do this or everybody should go out and try it. It just, it's another example to me of how just the the growth and the the expansion of technology into our regular lives and business worlds is making it cheaper, easier, and better to be in business now and to run practices and to deliver services to clients and patients than it ever has been in the history of the world. So yes, I'm not saying that there's not problems in with insurance companies trying to take advantage or you know cutting the cost and reducing benefits to their uh, plan participants and all, and all of that, like that, yeah, that's all real and that's happening and we can deal with it. But it shouldn't over, overshadow the fact that as clinicians, as people with skilled knowledge and expertise, this is, this is the, the best time in the history of the world to be involved in, in serving clients with that knowledge and expertise, whether it be through clinical private practice or whether it be through some other form of monetizing your, your skills and your abilities, uh, through entrepreneurship, some kind of digital entrepreneurship. Um, it's just a really exciting time to be, well, one, to be alive, but also to be in healthcare and to, to see the way that technology is being used to improve the process of care, sometimes even to make healthcare more human, which is what we're all about here at Rehab U, right? And the Better Outcomes Show. And to do to deliver care more efficiently and hopefully at a, at a higher quality. So anyways, that's that's all I've got to think about that, um, to say about that topic. I do think despite all of the negativity in the world, we we just have a lot to be hopeful about and, and optimistic about moving forward. Anyways, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find the show. If you want to be notified when we drop new episodes, 
you uh, can go to www.betteroutcomes.show or rehabupracticesolutions.com. Click the insights tab and then podcast and sign up there. We'll send you an email with the show notes and with links to the guests and all of their their information at that time or when we when we send out the email. We typically drop episodes every other week. However, I will say that I have just recorded a few bonus episodes. So probably from now through the end of 2022, we'll be dropping an episode once a week at least um, because of the just the influx of, of interviews that I've done and uh, cool interviews that, that we've got in the works. So look forward to that. And if you are in the time of the year right now where your clinic schedule is kind of lightening up a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're trying to reduce the cancellations and the no-shows at your clinic, um, and you want to know how to do that for free using a proven framework, um, you can head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com forward slash cancellations, and you can download our cancellation reduction framework. Um, this is the framework that is based off the work and the, the, the complete framework available in the book, The Better Outcomes, a guide to humanizing healthcare book, which is again available via Amazon. But it's a framework that we've implemented with clients, with the clinic that I run, um, as a way to in, in, increase engagement and get patient buy-in before they even show up to that first appointment, so that you know you have a higher likelihood of an arrival rate and a plan of care completion. So again, the URL for that is rehabupracticesolutions.com forward slash cancellations, and you can download your free copy of the cancellation reduction framework there. And if you run an outpatient uh, physical or occupational therapy clinic or some kind of allied health clinic, and you want to implement a system like that in your clinic and you don't have to build it from the ground up, uh, reach out to me at info at rehabupracticesolutions.com or go to rehabupracticesolutions.com and schedule a time on my calendar and we can have a chat about what you've got going on and if it makes sense for us to do some work together. Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.